Hi, this is Adam. Adam Spiegelman. Anyway, it's not important. You are listening to Proudly Resents, the cult movie podcast. To all you Proudly Resents listeners out there, just remember, you can't piss on hospitality. I want it. Great. What's that? Did you just light a cigarette? No, I don't smoke. I think I was typing. Oh, right. Yeah, this guy's casual. This guy loves Mad Men. All right. Welcome to Proudly Resents. This is a bonus episode. Uh, usually we air every other Wednesday. Why are we doing this episode during a bye week? And why do I sound like it's Passover? Well, the new TV season is starting and uh, our guest has written a couple books. Nothing Feels Good and Miss Misery. But also, those are great titles, ladies. More importantly, he wrote this great article on Grantland.com, handicapping the new TV series, season rather. Uh, Andy Greenwald, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. You had a unique angle. What was your angle on uh, the new season? Well, basically, we were taking a look at the new shows coming up, and they all look, I would think it's safe to say, uniformly terrible. <laughs> and so, basically, we decided to take a look at it through the eyes of a cancellation bracket, you know, sort of trying to give odds on which shows would last the shortest amount of time. And, of course, because this is Gramland and and Bill Simmons is involved, he was very excited about the idea of taking this theory and turning it into a fantasy cancellation league, which is uh, what we're doing over there. Uh, actually, that'll go up later today. I'm talking to you on Friday. Great. Uh, yeah, check that out on grantland.com so, so people can participate in it on the website? Absolutely. I mean, it, we don't actually have the system set up for people to, you know, it's it, we're not quite on the sort of ESPN fantasy sports tip yet. We don't <laughs> right. have that full uh, league manager settings, uh, maybe, you know, maybe by the TV season of 2019. But we're going to have the full list of rules and uh, for everyone to have their own own draft and own league. Yeah, hopefully people will get involved. Well, let's go over the brackets. The first bracket you, you call The Walking Dead. What is that? Yeah, basically, this this might have been me being too clever because I, I wanted to name each bracket after a, a currently existing television show, um, which led to a number of people gasping and thinking I was saying The Walking Dead was going to be canceled, right. which is absolutely <laughs> not the case. Besides hearing reading the words dead, they were uh, very upset. That you... very, these are very literal people, yes. Right. Well, you list uh, the Playboy Club... I mean, you could right. be a man up, grim, up all night, and uh, I hate my teenage daughter. Full disclosure, up all night actually did well the other night. It did a preview on Wednesday night. Yeah, that was sort of a ballsy call. I mean, basically, to, to sort of set up the bracket, the, the, the first bracket, Walking Dead, was basically these are the shows that we figured had the least likely odds of success. Because remember, in this league, you, we, are, we are rooting for failure, and we are fearful of success. <laughs> up all night is the most controversial call in the bracket. Obviously, there's a lot riding on it. It's a high-profile show. There's some pretty big cast cast members involved. You know, Christina Applegate and Maya Rudolph. We've got Lauren Michaels behind the scenes. The writer was from Parks and Recreation. But the two key words to remember here are Will Arnett. <laughs> now, I say this with a great deal of love and admiration for Will Arnett, who is an enormous talent and, by all accounts, a very nice guy. But he has a very poor track record uh, of television. We all know he was affiliated with Arrested Development, which is the poster child for Brilliant But Cancelled. And uh, last year's Running Wild, which was uh, just actually terrible. So we wanted to have something high profile up here. And I feel like Up All Night, because of the expectations from the network and because of the, the high profile cast, plus some last minute behind the scenes tomfoolery where they sort of changed Maya Rudolph's character to take advantage of her uh, bridesmaid's popularity. Yeah, it's and kind just, of so contrived that she's Oprah Winfrey, and now they have a show within a show, which has been done a million times. Exactly. I'm still not clear why Christina Applegate's name is Reagan. I feel like that, that's a rather polarizing choice. 
but yeah, you know, this is the, this is this is what you get when you prognosticate. I mean, you don't you can't get everything right, and uh, certainly got off to a good start. But it's worth remembering that it's uh, like they say in baseball, small sample size here. Well, out of these shows, which will get canceled first? Do you think? Oh, Grim, without a doubt, Grim. Oh, really? Grim, I feel like. That could work because it's kind of a procedural, even though it is a ridiculous idea, and it's based on a book. But the Playboy Club, I feel like it's got to do really well, or they they're just going to get rid of it. Well, let me let me uh, break some news here. I mean, this will probably be posted by the time uh, people are actually listening to this. But uh, you know, we actually had our, our draft yesterday, and I was banking on on Grimm as the number one pick. But I, of course, got the number three pick. Grimm did go number one. Oh. Wow. Uh, the main reason being the it's on NBC and it's on Friday night. I, I, I don't. It will be canceled before the majority of America ever knows it existed. But you know, I, I should also preface this by saying, in no way are we cheering people losing work. Or, no, or, no, no. I, I feel bad for anyone, and I actually I feel very jealous and impressed by anyone who manages to get a TV show on the air. It's just so funny that it's you know after years and years of development and, and hard work and flop sweat that it could all end on a sad Friday night in October. You can't help but feel bad, but, um, but this is fantasy fantasy league. Great. Um, but to, to get back to my point, um, I, I went Playboy Club number one. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's totally doomed because, first of all, the pilot is really, truly bad. But it, I also just don't get the point of it um, because who is the target audience for this? Is it men who want to watch women dress sexily from 50 years ago? <laughs> or is it women who are going to buy this cockamamie line that it's actually sort of a feminist show? I, they're all over the map with this one, and and it would have to come down to execution, and they did not execute. Yeah, it seems like something your your dad would watch in '85, but not something people would watch now. That I I, I think that's right. I, I think that you know this would have made a great twin bill with Falcon Crest, but those days are behind us. And you know, speaking of that, Charlie's Angels was the big hit in the '70s. Again, not a lot of access to porn, so. You, you know, this is a big deal to watch women running around. You, yes. Your second bracket was called Good Luck Charlie. What is that? Charlie's Angels is my uh, was my number two pick. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling... <laughs> <laughs> my, my team's coming together. Yeah, the second bracket, I Good Luck Charlie is evidently a kid's show that's on one of, like, the Disney or Nick networks, but I just like the title. Basically, these are shows that could survive, but I wouldn't bet on it. The example I used was V. V was a show I know I don't know a single person who watched or liked or even had much faith in, and yet so, this is the remake of V, not the original miniseries, and yet somehow it got a second season. Same with so, the remake. The original, I mean, I loved it as a kid, but nobody watched it. The fact that they made a series out of it was kind of shocking. Strange things happen, and, and, and I wrote about this today in the sort of interleague trash talk that um, you really can see the way Hollywood, the brains of Hollywood, and I don't mean that oxymoronically, the brains of Hollywood work when you see some of these shows, because in a, in a corporate vacuum, a pre-existing property like Playboy Magazine or Charlie's Angels or V, like that's gold. That gets you through the first hurdle because people can recognize it or have heard of it. No one ever steps in at any point and says, but why does this exist beyond that? And, and that's sort of where I feel like we are with Charlie's Angels. I, it was a property. Someone owned it. Someone wanted to develop it. And you go in with name recognition, which you know, gets you started. But why? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, right. The other the other shows on the uh, second bracket is Charlie's Angels, Suburgatory, Prime Suspect, A Gifted Man, Free Agents, and Whitney. Free Agents I would put in the first category. It's terrible. Have you seen the pilot for that? Well, Free Agents I have. I was not thrilled. I, I have to say I read the script, and I really, really liked the script before they even cast the thing earlier in the, earlier in the year. 
I, I have a lot of faith in John Enbaum, the writer, because he was the guy who wrote all the best episodes of Party Down. But then again, Party Down is not a good predictor of rating success. <laughs> By putting free agents like that, uh, ranking up all night ahead of free agents is sort of like um, I thought up all night would get all the hype and thus have farther to fall. Um, sort of like Studio 60 and, and uh, 30 Rock premiering the same year. Everyone predicted 30 Rock would be gone within about six months, and Studio 60 was the most hype show of all time. Uh, and we all know how that ended up. Yeah, obviously no one had watched uh, Studio 60. That was awful. I mean, that is unspeakably bad. That <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but Free Agents looks like maybe not the smartest pick, although I will say that was my third-round pick, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking good. Looking, what about Whitney? I mean, that, it seems like Free Agents should be at Thursday night at 9.30. Whitney should be at Wednesday with the, the family drama, or that's the family a, comedy. That's exactly right. Like, it's this weird... You know, I think NBC is in a very strange place. Some might call that place the basement. Um, <laughs> you know, they have these three shows, four shows when 30 Rock comes back, because it's not coming back till mid-season, uh, in, in Community, Parks and Rec, The Office, and, and 30 Rock. The Office is fairly well-rated, but the rest of them are not well-rated. But they are critically adored and adored by the people who watch them. And they're the only thing that got the network through the lean years, for the Ben Silverman years. And so now they have a new boss in charge of the network, Bob Greenblatt, who no doubt wants to put his own stamp on things, but he's caught with the, these shows that aren't very well rated, but they're all he's got. So to me, Whitney felt like a like a hedge. Like in theory, that's a much broader audience show, right. and so if he can crack the door a little bit and start putting that kind of show back on the air, then maybe they could overall raise the ratings. The, the, the problem is, it's a terrible fit. I mean, I in the piece I said it's like putting Howard Stern on NPR. I, I don't know. I, I don't have high hopes for it. It was my, my buddy Chris Ryan went all in on that as the number one, his number one pick, and uh, he, he's riding. He's going down with that Titanic. I don't. You know. I, I, yeah, I don't think it's the first one, but I can. It's the same theory you had with being overhyped. I mean, billboards here in L.A. are, are everywhere, and you can't avoid them. Their face. You know, their faces with the bad comedy lines. I, ironically, I think Whitney Cummings is going to have much more success with the show she's not on, uh, the show she wrote and produced for CBS, Two Broke Girls. Yeah, we'll get to that. And that's right. That seems like a show that'll be on forever. Yeah. One, one other point I wanted to make here is that when, when drafting in your own leagues, it's, it, you have to pay attention to some of the, uh, the peripherals, you know, as they say in, in actual drafts. You have to pay attention to networks because that matters. Because NBC is so lowly rated that they might let bad shows find their legs more than, say, a CBS, which has, you know, a stellar lineup and can afford to make sort of quick decisions and, and can plug holes faster. Well, they got rid of the Defenders last year, which was, did okay, didn't do great. Any other network would have loved it. That's right. And so something like Prime Suspect, even if it doesn't come out of the gate strong, could live a little bit longer on NBC because it's the type of show they want to associate themselves with. Similarly, like a show on CW should not be a high round pick because the CW doesn't even, I mean, barely gets ratings that would be acceptable on, um, you know, on a shortwave radio. They, they tend to stay on the air much longer than one would expect. Right, like Gossip Girl. I mean, like seven people watch the show and they act like it's the biggest show on television. Those seven people buy a lot of magazines and uh, eyeliner. <laughs> so they're important. All right, there you go. You got the right seven people. So the in-betweeners, uh, your third bracket is the in-betweeners. Uh, revenge... <laughs> Yeah, these were sort of like, uh, yeah, Revenge, Terra Nova, Once Upon a Time, Pan Am. These were sort of uh, big risk, big reward shows. I could see pretty much everyone in this group, um, possibly with the exception of Part of Dixie, going, uh, these are the shows that I think could be big hits. Like the TV show Lost, like it's a big risk and people just love it, or Desperate Housewives. 
That's right. It's a big swing. And if they connect, they could be big hits because, you know, it's a very conservative slate of shows overall. There's not, last year there was only one show that anyone wanted, any critic wanted to watch, and that was Lone Star. And that was the show that nobody in America wanted to watch who wasn't a critic. This year, no critics like anything, really. These are the shows that at least have the, you know, the, the, the balls to sort of, you know, go for it. And then they'll either, they'll either flame out spectacularly or, or, you know, you'll be on the cover of every magazine. Right, um, Revenge feels like uh, Lone Star. Yeah. Revenge feels like Lone Star, but it has a little bit of like brothers and like evil brothers and sisters or like <laughs> desperate housewives kind of thing. I mean, that's the one. I don't know what it's like in L.A., but Revenge is the one that's on every subway car here. And uh, my friend Emily Nussbaum was the TV writer for for New York Magazine. Um, really, really is behind it. I mean, she said it was cheesy and, and soapy, but pulled it off. I have a feeling that could do well. Before the bracket, you have Raising Hope. Does that mean you have, uh, it's a show that makes no sense? Is that what it is? <laughs> no. These are the show. I mean, Raising Hope was a hit last year, but it's also like, as I, I said in the bracket a description, that it's more about stability. Like, these shows seem like they have already been on the air. Um, <laughs> they're familiar. Uh, they fill a hole in both networks and theoretically on your DVR. I, I proceed with caution if you're drafting. I feel like these shows could make it maybe 60-40. Maybe Unforgettable. I'll go through the names and we should go through the plots because you're exactly you're absolutely right. Unforgettable, persons of interest, person of interest, ringer, and how to be a gentleman. Unforgettable right. is what did you call it? It's the mental ladyist. <laughs> it's literally about a cop who doesn't forget things. That's 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 the show. Not yeah. lie to me. Not I, yeah. I was looking this up yesterday. Apparently, at one point in the development process, it was called the Rememberer. <laughs> which what did a six year old come up with the title? It, 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 it's, it's, it's not, it's not even a joke. So, but again, it's CBS. CBS could do this in their sleep. I, I would be shocked if this doesn't succeed. Even, even though the pilot is, is not nearly as slick and professional seeming as, as previous CBS slick professional products have been. I just think you, you know, to use a baseball analogy again, if you, if you take a, a rough skilled player and you put him on a, a dominant team, the, those rough edges will get sanded out pretty quickly. You might not know what you're watching. I mean, you might just assume you're watching NCIS or Mentalist, you know, when you turn on the TV and it's already yeah. on Channel 2. You know, you don't know. It's, 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 it's basically Cold Case with a woman with longer hair. <laughs> that was a problem with Cold Case. I always thought the, her hair was not long enough. That's, that's, people, you know, they do market testing for this. It's a Q rating thing. Uh, it is crazy. The, the market testing goes on a show and the, uh, they made the host take the tie off. Like, that was the problem with the yep. show. Persons of Interest... What, how did that make the, the list of same old, same old? Person of Interest seems like a slam dunk because it was a huge, hugely, hugely hyped uh, pitch that went around town. It was uh, Christopher Nolan's brother, Jonathan Nolan's idea. He hooked up with J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot. They went to CBS, which is a, possibly a strange fit because J.J. Abrams has traditionally done work at NBC and Fox and CBS you know, has a much older skewing audience. This, they cast Jesus Christ as the lead in the show, uh, which should bring a large audience. Poor guy and plays one savior. Now he's always Jesus Christ. I, he still looks like Jesus to me. And and then they cast uh, Michael Emerson from Lost playing the same character from Lost, as far as I can tell. But the, the show the show is a sort of a great, almost throwback setup. It's, it's sort of like the equalizer, I think. You know, it, it's, it's basically about a guy who stops bad things before they happen. The pilot was a little dull, but it 
has a lot of potential. And so I just feel like, again, it, it could be one of CBS's rare misfires. It could be a network show mismatch. Yes. And I'm saying that someone who has it, this, that was my fourth round pick, so I actually have to have some vested interest in its failure. But uh, it, it could also be the kind of thing that just runs forever because it has a great you know, uh, mechanism, great machine at its core that can keep churning out plot. Is the updated Hardcastle and McCormick? It's, it's in that vein. I mean, the, you know, the, that uh, Ben Linus, except in a suit instead of on an island, gets a list of people who are going to do bad things. I think sort of ba it's based on that same sort of ridiculous technology that was in The Dark Knight where you could see every, what everyone was doing all the time. Right. It's that same idea. And then, uh, yeah, then Jim Caviezel, who can, you know, is a killing machine, basically goes out and does what he does. The person of interest, actually, to be fair, the twist is that he knows that some, a crime's going to happen, but he doesn't know if the person is either the victim or the perpetrator. That's right. I mean, you, you, if there's one thing that Nolan's and J.J. Abrams are good at, it's, it's twists. In fact, that's probably their, that's pretty much their business. So, it, you know, it would be interesting to see if they can pull it off on CBS, you know, where usually if you put a twist in one of their shows, you have to be worried that their target audience will have a heart attack. <laughs> They'll drop their pudding and not know what to do. Exactly. Uh, Ringer, Sarah Michelle Gellar playing... Um, and like another kind of mythology show. Is that what you're saying that makes it the same? Yeah, it's just like, it, it's not even, it's just, I mean, it's a terrible show, let's be honest. But it's on the CW, so that doesn't matter. Uh, it did fine. It debuted, it was the first show of any of these. well, yeah. Earlier in the week. And, uh, you know, as long as it's not too over-budgeted, which it could be, because it actually has some larger-than-usual names for CW in the cast. But they saved a lot of money on the special effects. I urge everyone to go online and, and take a look at the boat scene. It looks like a, I mean, it, it looks like something you shot in your backyard with a kiddie pool and an iPhone camera. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just the sort of thing that like, oh, that's on. Sure, of course, that's always been on. I, I, I think it could run forever or get canceled. You never know. So you're saying the money is not on the screen. I, <laughs> I really urge you and everyone to see what actually was on the screen. It is. It is. Laugh out loud. So we'll put a link to that on the website. It's at least the most scene. How to be yep. a gentleman again feels like the men the lady mentalist. Like we that show exactly what you said it has been on the air for about at least seven years. There's a very strange phenomenon this year that for some reason the networks think the most pressing issue, especially in the world of comedy, is what's up with all these women. <laughs> like it's it's weird and reductive and misogynist and and unpleasant. But of all of those shows, and of which there are a ton. The worst of them probably being Man Up or the Tim Allen one. That's pretty terrible, too. Um, this one, How to Be a Gentleman, just seems like it has the best machinery and, and weirdly, like, the best cast. Um, yeah, you know, it you, has some big names. It's got, it's got a Reese Darby from Flight of the Concords, which makes me want to watch it, even though I probably won't. And uh, Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall, who's always good. And then, um, you know, you walk down the street here in New York and you see the poster and there's a geeky guy and there's Kevin Dillon and you just get the show. It just seems like a CBS comedy, as you said, that has been on forever. It seems like the fake show that Johnny Drama was on, on Entourage. Yeah, it's perfect. I, I, I think it seems like, if for anyone who thought that Kevin Dillon's performance on Entourage was too subtle and nuanced, <laughs> then this is a joke for you. He was very low-key in that show. Very uh, low-key. Before we go into the, the fifth bracket, you brought up the, the phenomenon of sitcoms about men trying to get get by in a in a woman's world, but you forgot the you didn't mention the worst. I think the worst example, which is work it. 
Oh, oh no, I did mention it in the intro. Work It is uh, mid-season. Oh my god. So, yeah, what is Work It about? Work It is basically, it, it's, uh, it's Bosom Buddies. It is a completely broad transvestite comedy in which men can't get a job in this world because if there's one thing we know, one group that has it really hard, it's men, especially yeah, yeah. white men. Uh, so they dress up like women and everyone buys it and the laughs just pour out of you. And the fact that this was made in 2011 is just, it, it's mind-boggling. And uh, it, it's a mid-season show on ABC. You can watch footage of it on YouTube now, which I recommend doing. Just sit down first and just already just drop your jaw so you don't actually cause any violence. <laughs> you don't want to break anything beneath your jaw. Um, but what I, I talked about here is, you know, hopefully if our league gets going, we'll do a supplemental draft for mid-season. And it is... Work it as a LeBron or Andrew Luck sized talent, almost worth just completely just tanking the fall for. Because if you get that show, you will win your league. It's about two guys who are tired of making a lot of money and they want to make less money for the same amount of work and be treated terribly. Yeah. So yeah. your your fifth and final bracket is called That's So Raven. What is that? I enjoy calling things Raven and determining what is so Raven and what is less Raven. Um, you are the authority, by the way, on what is so Raven. I appreciate that. Yeah. I. I do if I had business cards, I would put that on it. Um, these are shows that um, I, I just feel like they're they're locks. I, I you know they for whatever reason these are the shows that will be successful from this season, um, and that's based on you know both viewing the pilots and and uh, and general buzz and critical reaction and context. So these are shows like I mentioned Two Broke Girls already, which just has the momentum and the buzz and the CBS Monday lineup is a pretty solid one. Alan Gregory is the Jonah Hill cartoon that's coming on Fox, and I know nothing about it, and it could well be terrible, but I don't think Fox ever cancels cartoons. I mean, I think they gave a second season to Bob's Burgers, so I just feel like this is not a good bet in your in your home league. The New Girl is sort of, this isn't any great praise this year, but it is sort of the consensus best new show. It certainly has a lot of network momentum behind it, so that's going to get at least one season, if not many. The Secret Circle is about hot witches, and it's on the CW. So <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, so we, if you're in, you're all the way in. And Last Man Standing is is home improvement to um, the, the gray-haired years. What do you, th you think that show people want to see uh, Tim Allen again, still bitching about being a... Is it, well, actually, he's taken the home improvement and added this new flavor of it's hard to be a man. Because, first of all, I just want to say again, it's, it's so is. Tim Allen is really, really right about that. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is actually sort of a funny one. I mean, because, the, yeah, this, this could just get yanked after two episodes because it is atrocious. But he is an enormous star, and he's back on ABC. And it's an 8 p.m. sort of quote-unquote family hour. It could run forever. You never know. I mean, I, I wouldn't bet against it. That's good. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking about this. You can go to grantland.com and do your own bracket. Absolutely. Please do. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Talk to you later. You too. So I'm a drug dealer again. Only thing I was ever any damn good at. Just once, I would like to merely sell drugs. No robberies, no gunfights, no sin from my horrible past coming to visit me in my horrible life. Jeez. It's getting so that you can't trust drug addicts. Who's with me? Chapel.
a crime drama web series starring Emily Mills, written and directed by Rob Matsushita. You're dead. Burke, you're out. Available at ClaymorePictures.net. Thanks for listening to Proudly Resents. Make a comment or suggest a film at reachadam at mac.com or on our comment line. Ready? Get a pencil. <laughs> I'll wait. Okay? Got one? Okay. To call 646-481-5476. That's our comment line. 646 646- 4815476 Keep it clean and short, we might air it. Join us on Facebook or be old school and go to our website, proudlyresents.com. If you like the show, put the episode up on your Twitter, Facebook, stumble upon, dig, you know, all those things. Tell a friend, I'm Eddie Pepitone and my Twitter account is at Eddie Pepitone. <laughs>